you're fed up with the nine to five, you've been working hard for years, and you're just not seeing the results you want. You want to break free from the traditional career, but don't know how. Business Breaks is here to help. So thank you, everyone, for joining this interview session. I am Dante Healy, host of Business Breaks podcast with my very special guest, David Ketchen, someone who is a real expert, someone I have massive respect for in this digital transformation space. Not only is he a great guy, but he's also, he is known as a digital cat herder, which is something I'm still working on mastering. So David, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dante. Thanks for that hype. (laughs) You're very welcome. (laughs) So David, I guess to kickstart the interview, how did you get into digital transformation? What's your backstory? Okay. So I actually started sort of my career, you know, once you leave school and you go, what am I going to do? And I started as an electrical fitter, which is an electrician who works on power stations. I never finished the apprenticeship. It just, it wasn't me. And so I started a window cleaning business and it was great. Actually, back in those days, it was $80 an hour doing windows, you know, and the the average hourly wage in New Zealand at the time was about six bucks an hour. So (laughs) it was good. And then it wasn't intellectually fulfilling. And turn of century, it was like, I've got to get into IT. I just, I've got to do this. And I answered an ad for a multinational company called EDS, who were based in Plano, Texas. And it was through their business process outsourcing that I got a job as a team leader on a a digitization project. Now, this particular project was for the land titles, uh, Land Information New Zealand, and they were doing a sort of a a back capture of all their um, titles because, and you may call them deeds in in other countries, but it's your property title or deed which says, you know, here's my my property and here's the boundaries of it and here's all the legal instruments that, that I must abide by, fencing agreements and easements. And so now they wanted to convert 5 million documents because New Zealand's not a very big country. It's very small. Um, actually, it's the size of England, but, you know, <laughs> it's not a big population. And so they wanted to convert these 5 million documents and they all had legal instruments attached to them. So it wasn't a simple digitization in the sense of let's just scan all these things and index them, right? That's that's how back capture used to work. And you've probably done that stuff in finance as well. Uh, Linz was actually getting something like a kilometer of filing cabinets every year of more documents. It was just, it was crazy. They couldn't cope with it. They were running out of physical space. So they wanted to go digital. And Canada had done something like this uh, a year or so before. And EDS had done it in Canada. So, of course, won the contract. And, you know, and so they needed a whole bunch of people to, to not just capture the information so you'd see the land title come up on your screen, but they needed people to be able to analyse the information, actually understand what the legal instruments were, and only capture the ones that were relevant. Well, normally you've got to get some sort of legal background and be a conveyor to understand that stuff, right? And we were taking people off the streets. <laughs> you, how fast can you type? Oh, you must be good enough. It wasn't quite like that. You had to actually understand this stuff. So here we've got the Land Information New Zealand doing digitization, but in fact, they're doing a rationalization. They're cleaning up a hundred years 
of legalese from from paper into the the digital database they wanted. And it it transformed their work. So they went from, I think, 12 regional offices down to five, lost 20% of their staff because they became so much more efficient with this particular process. So I came on as a team leader, you know, I thought, oh, this is great. And and I started playing around with Excel, as you do, you know, you're in a new company and and you're wondering, how long will this project take? Because it seems like we're not going very fast. And after a year, I turned up to the project manager and I said, I don't know if this is right, but my spreadsheet says we're still going to be doing this for like another 25 years. <laughs> oh, you should see my spreadsheet. And he had all these nested ifs and whatever. Came out to the same sort of result, mind you. So um, suddenly I became involved in, in workflow and how to improve things because my team was already producing 20 to 25 percent more than every other team every week. And no one could work out why that was. It was Very simple, and we can talk about that later. But I ended up doing a whole lot of stuff around workflow, and I had a whole bunch of ideas, and they kept sacking the operations managers. So we had a team of about 350 staff at this stage, really burning, you know, through money on this project and getting nowhere. They brought in KPMG. So, you know, what's that? $2,000 a day for a consultant. And they hang around for a couple of weeks, you know, as long as they can. And they came up with a solution. So we were doing like 2,000 widgets a week at this stage. And they said, oh, we think you you probably max out at about 6,000. But we're not quite sure how you can get there. I mean, what thanks for that? You know? <laughs> but anyway, we're up to, we'd already gone through five ops managers. They, they just keep getting five because they, they couldn't get it working. And, and the company's getting really stressed now because they're making penalty payments. And I turned up, we had a transformation manager come in. So they hired in a specialist. And, and he's like, oh. And uh, I need a new ops manager. And uh, I put my hand up and out of, you know, it wasn't respect, but it was like, yeah, okay, come along to the interview. And I brought along a 10-page plan that said, this is how I'm going to fix the site. And the service delivery manager said, when we saw that plan, we knew you were it. And uh, so I then went and implemented the plan and I, I I got the staff together. So we had about 200 in the, well, about 250 in the day, about 100 at night. And I said, you know, KPMG have come in here and, and they think you're not good enough. They think you can only achieve 6,000. Well, I actually believe we can do 40,000 a week and we're going to do it. And they all just sort of look at me. But I actually had the respect of the floor because I was doing the work myself. Yeah. So the transformation that I got involved in, so here we've got a digital transformation for the client. It's a digitization project. But now I'm involved as a transformation manager. I've got to take my program of activity and we're my outcome so and this is the key thing about any transformation you're taking it from one state to another state it's about an outcome it's not about oh i'm going to slap in some a new platform and and that'll make everything right that's modernization but transformation says i'm unhappy with my current outcome and i need a different outcome and my outcome had to be productivity and we did get to 40,000 it only took three months to get there Uh, but it involved a whole lot of whole number of activities because you know when you do transformation you'll be aware of this it's not one thing that transforms a business you've actually got a whole myriad of of little things that create the critical mass of change to to do that right 
So that was the first project. And then it had a sister project running next to it, which was survey conversion. This was true digital transfer. It was absolute world first, never been done before. So bleeding it. And they were bleeding. So it wasn't our area of expertise, not for EDS. So they had given it that they'd subcontracted this to the government mapping agency because a survey map is the map of the boundaries of your property. You know, they get out their theodolites and they do their thing and they go, okay, so whatever. It's very mathematical. And then they take up all those coordinates back to the office and they used to draw it out on a piece of paper and then submit that to the, the land information office. And now they're going digital. And what they created was a digital, I believe it's cadastral is the term which refers to boundaries of properties. So now what had to be done was the analyst had to look at that survey map so the image would come up on screen and they got to take down all the coordinates of that map. But it had to go through a a transformation process as well because if you could picture all, if if you've got paper drawings of all the maps of your street, all the boundary maps, have now got to actually meet. It's all got to meet, bang on, and connect like a puzzle and allow, as the bigger it gets, it's got to allow for the curvature of the earth. So it's got to slightly adjust a little bit the further out you go. And that was a really tough thing to do, you know, GIS stuff. It was like, wow, you know, it was, there were case studies being written about it. It was really exciting. But the, the, the mapping agency couldn't do it. You know, they're the experts. They could not do it. In two years, they had managed to get through the, to quality assurance only five maps that pass QA. They, they knew them by name. You know, it was map number. It was terrible. So the government put their agency into liquidation. It was the first time the government had ever put one of their own agencies into liquidation to stop the penalty payments that they were having to pay to the other organisation. And so EDS had to pick up the bits. And I said, hey, hey, I can do that. I've just done this other project. No worries, I'll do that. And they went, you're all right. (laughs) Now we're transforming not just, you know, we're we're deep in a digital transformation because this is is radical. It's a complete process change for the client but pretty much still my brief is productivity. How do I change the outcome of, of what's happening? And when I turned up, I went around asking them, what's your quality like? They all said, oh, it's fantastic here. We've got 95% quality. I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> how do you work that out? They go, so each map has got like 500 things you've got to capture on it. And we get 95% of them right. And I'm like, you do realize that's zero, right? You failed that map. You did not hit 100%. It's zero. And they went, oh. (laughs) (laughs) No wonder they can't get anything right. So, and I guess we'll talk about how, how that got fixed. But that was my introduction to transformation. So remember, Window Cleaner now running the two most, the, the two biggest business transformation and digital transformations in the country's history. Yeah. So, and I used to say, oh, it's, it's all right. You know, I can see crap a mile off. So <laughs> <laughs> I just had an eye for it. Yeah. But you, you, once you've learned quality, and, and achieving a quality outcome. That's a transferable skill you can take anywhere. Hmm. Brilliant. And definitely a lot to take out of that. I'm I'm glad I'm recording it because I'm going to go back and take <laughs> notes. I can tell you that from my experience, any sort of transformation is not easy. 
It requires a lot of thinking, a lot of work, a lot of effort, and a lot of disappointment. And because of decades, and in your case, possibly centuries of legacy institutional structure that needs to be unpicked and then rethought of and reworked. And the culture then has to be, when you say it's not just one thing, it's many things that need to be addressed before you get critical mass. I I, I completely agree. Sometimes you you can implement one thing and it, it either never takes off because people think that's the end of it or um, yeah people themselves they they revert back to their old habits and behaviors and ways of thinking so it's like really nothing more than a band-aid and then as you say taking the opportunities to step up to get into transformation is probably the key and i think in my career it's not when i've hidden it's when i've actually had to step up as well yes. so i completely i completely hear you and amazing backstory thank you david my next question and it's probably an obvious one but the key benefits of digital transformation in business and i guess in the context of right now where everything is pretty much digital that's apparent you can't go anywhere without a smartphone your customers are expecting to have an app to engage with you or at least a a website so what more can we do in terms of where are the big opportunities because looking at the statistics it seems like there is a certainly in the transformation space in the next five years between 2020 to 2025 investments from business into digital transformation will more than double from just under half a trillion to one trillion dollars so where do you think that spend is going to go in or where can it be best positioned right now where's the big opportunity so i just have to process that one for a sec because it's a big question and i know it's one that my own country, New Zealand, is, is trying to get its head around. I read an article today which said the productivity we're, we're losing, generally businesses in New Zealand, about a day a week on activities that could be automated. And it's, it comes out at billions of dollars in lost, you know, depending on how you calculate it, because you go, well, if I'm spending this time doing a manual process... If I didn't have that time, would I actually spend that time generating more money for my business? You know, it's, it's actually it's people who come up with these sayings, well, you know, you, you'll save a billion dollars. It's never quite as clear cut as that. In my experience in transformation, we're talking about getting a different outcome. As I said, you go from one state to another state. And, and this is often where digital transformation falls down. And studies have been done. I think it's uh, the magazine CIO World had a study uh, just a few years back. 95% of all digital transformations failed. I've mentioned it before. A client I went to recently in Australia, they will not even let you talk and use the word transformation. It's got negative con- connotation. But that's really sad, you know, because it shows it's been a failure. And I think part of the problem is that there's been a, um, a belief that technology, because it's called digital transformation, there's a there's sort of this guess that some sort of technology is going to give me that transformation. Now, when I was doing my transformation activities, we had really big teams with us. So we had the applications were on site and, and they're trying to fix the stupid software that they'd made. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the first six <laughs> months we had a hot fix every damn night. 
and we had to stay back and test those hot fixes for the next day and you just you cannot do enough regression testing when you don't really know what you're doing as a user you, you get really good at it but it wasn't until finally we got a really strong project manager came in and said stop this nonsense do it properly but the apps guys would always say oh, I'll give you a 20% gain it was always this magic 20% I'll give you 20% product how much will that cost me oh that'll be a million you get Nick I'd say to my team thank you each night hey thanks for what you've done I get a 20% productivity gain I put some gamification on the floor and say hey look you can win these cool logo prizes if you get your output up wow I get a 50% productivity gain it costs me you know a couple of bucks (laughs) (laughs) technology stuff it's not about the technology technology is a tool it's just it's just part so when you eat a meal, normally you have a knife and fork, right? Maybe you've got a spoon. It's dessert, right? We'll have a spoon. But you know what? You don't need those. You can just pick it up with your fingers and you get the same outcome. You're going to get it in your guts and it's going to taste yummy. You know, you'll make a mess. That's true. But the outcome is you got fed and you didn't need the tool. Now, if you don't have a plate, the plate is a tool. You go, oh, that's not very good. You can still do it. You can do it out of the, you know, we do this takeaways. Oh, I'll just eat it out of the takeaway thing, right? So you've got to be realistic about the tools. You've got to be thinking, what's my outcome that I want? Let's, let's talk about an example of digital transformation that is that happened and no one paid attention to it and in fact are fighting against it. The transformation is we get a pandemic and all our governments around the world say, oh, you can't go to work. It's like, what <laughs> What are you talking about? I can't go to work. No, 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 you'll, you'll spread germs. Stop it. Stay home. You know, a lot of countries went into lockdown. We went into lockdown. It was you know, quite tough. Now, the business goes, well, I'm not going to shut my business. You know, if they're a hairdresser, right, and you've got to have person in the chair, that's very, very hard. But if you're a, an IT company or a bank, you don't say, well, I'm stopping my business because my people can't come in. You think, oh, i got to do this differently now. Let's see if you can work from home. Oh, you can work from home. That's fantastic. That was a transformation. They needed the outcome of doing business, but they had to transform from being in the office. Now, think of the other transformations that came from that. Much lower carbon footprint. I, I've barely seen any company say, hey, look, working from home, we saved X units of carbon because... None of our staff had to drive into work. You know, we know the roads were empty. It was fantastic. It was so quiet. It was lovely. You know, people walking around, waving at each other. It was lovely in the neighborhood. Mm. They still go home and do their work. I know a lot of businesses suffered, you know, cafes and all those sort of downtown businesses, they suffered. But in fact, the transformation occurred. It was a digital transformation. And now you find people fighting against it who don't understand transformation. They don't go, look at all the good things that happen. I've got happier staff. Not all of them. There are some who need to be with others. And some jobs work best, you know, when there's, you know, like social worker or a doctor, you know, you actually want your patient there. It's not that great over the phone. You can do it. It's not great though. But a lot of people who could work from home had better morale because they can see their family for a change. So if I've got good morale, you know, when I did business transformation the key one of the key things i'm trying to do is get great morale if you can get people to feel good their productivity will increase if they feel 
rubbish, you know, garbage in, garbage out. We know that in IT, it's with data. If I've got bad data and I put it in, I will not get good data out. If I've got bad morale in, what sort of productivity out am I going to get? This is not rocket science. I'm a window cleaner. It's obvious. That's <laughs> <laughs> how it works, right? Yeah. It's not yeah. hard. So here we've got all these happy people. We've got less carbon footprint. They're spending a lot less money. Transformation of real estate. Man, I could save all this money in real estate. I can save all this money in marketing, you know, the cost of signs on my building because no one's walking by anyway. And they go, you know what? Come back to work because you make me feel important. I don't feel important when you're not at work. And so they've missed the, the point of transformation. They, they had it. And, and this is one of the key things with any transformation project. You've got to find the people that are going to inhibit that transformation, the blockers. You've got to find a way of, I, I always looked for them, no matter what project I went on. Who was, who was a totally against change because they had something to lose. Now I've got to, I've actually got to either give them something to replace what they're losing or I've got to make the hard call and say, I'm sorry, you have been a hero here that we are transforming and that service is no longer required. Thank you. There's a lot of things I took from what you just said, which is amazing. The well, first thing I bled it on so long. Oh yeah. And I let you to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, the thing that you highlight is the obvious benefit to the planet with carbon footprint. When I was on holiday in Croatia, uh, Dubrovnik last year, there was I'd never seen such crystal clear blue water when I was swimming and scuba diving in the sea. And they said no, it wasn't like that last year. But COVID stopped ships coming back and forth which suddenly cleaned up the water which was to my benefit and also because of the lack of tourism the previous year the other thing is that as you say if i could put it in one overly used sentence common sense isn't that common and unfortunately what you what you've explained is that there are people who would like to have other people around them some of them are naturally not at that position but they're extroverts and they naturally get energy off others but there are others who just want their minions around them insight so that they can feel important and as you say there are people and i've experienced this the heroes who are actually blockers so in the sense of going through a digital transformation they are the villain <laughs> but they're a villain who's dressed up as a hero what they're doing is they're saying we want what we want now we want the comfort of now i'm protecting my staff now by by protecting how they work, giving them, keeping them in comfort, mollycoddling them, but not realizing that longer term it's going to be that much more painful as a business yeah. because you become less competitive and less productive. Yeah, and and what happens is the longer they they maintain that status quo, everyone else is still carrying on in business. You know, fintech's taking off; it's it's doing its thing. You know, not always well, but it, it's it's out there and it's making a lot of noise. And if if you've got people who are trying to maintain the status quo, that's just dragging it out longer before you get to change and by the time you get to change now i've got a lot of things i need to fix so i'm i'm very weary of of heroes that they're great at holding it together it's true but they're holding together the current state and in transformation it, it, when someone says no no we want to get to a, a new way of doing things because we want a different outcome right now what i'm looking for is the agents of change those who are willing who, who can understand that vision and and if you're in charge of transformation it's your job to sell that vision I used to say to my team, you know, we're not doing a project, we're going on a crusade. This is this is major 
we're stuck, but we're going to we're going to do the impossible, and people are going to look at us and go, "How did you do that?" You know, every one I did, we tripled productivity while increasing quality, and um, no one could understand that. You know, because people weren't burnt out either. Very simple. You just fix the quality all the time. Fix the quality. I don't care if it's data. I don't care if it's a process or communication. Just fix the quality, and then all that effort you're putting into will just naturally convert into productivity. It's just an energy thing. You're just changing one state of energy to another. And that's that's critical not to take shortcuts early on, even though they're tempting to try and get around quick win and early result, because you know you're setting yourself up for more struggle and more pain longer term when you take those tempting shortcuts because you may not have done as deep an analysis or you may not have considered certain things. And then there's also the traps that are set for you where, as you say, the so-called hero, who's the hero of the status quo, shall we say, who's ready to grandstand when the when the deployment fails or isn't as smooth as it was sold out to be. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Given that, what are the key strategies, capabilities and practices to effectively execute a successful digital transformation? And again, with that, I was going to ask about overcoming barriers, but I think we've come, we've, we've covered that in the previous questions. So really, how do you define success in digital transformation? So, okay, that's a big question as well. Um, Sorry. Well, there's just so many different views, really, of of what the success was. So when I took on the transformation project I had, now remember it was an outsourced transformation so that the client couldn't do it themselves and they had gone to experts to do it. And so now I'm responsible for their transformation. And when I took it on, they were an unreferenceable client. But they were not, no no new business was allowed to talk to them, right? So I've got a quote here from the uh, National Processing Manager of uh, Land Information New Zealand, two examples I gave at the beginning. And he says, EDS delivered with a lot of patience and there was a real willingness to understand our needs, which was of utmost importance in this complex project. They became our most referenceable client. So your stakeholders delight is a KPI and it's a pretty important one. If they're not delighted, you have not achieved your transformation. So you've got to determine, first of all, who are you transforming for? And I think this is a problem many have. So am I transforming for my stakeholders because I'm looking for cost reductions and and better profits? Am I transforming to satisfy some manager's ego who's been sold a package and now has to make it work? We see a lot of those, right? It's like, oh, you've you've bought that? Oh, okay. You want us to implement that? Fantastic. And then there's transformations that are for the sake of customers. You better have a good voice of the customer and understand what they want. So you give an example of a transformation. Uh, This will be a business process one. And I'm just trying to remember the the name of the the company. It was was like a building supply company in in the States. And they were in the top three for customer satisfaction. I'm sure it'll come to me after this interview. But they were in the top three. And then they went through a transformation where they ran Lean Six Sigma through the business. And at the end of that year, they didn't even register in the top 50 companies for customer satisfaction. Now, someone hadn't thought about the transformation from the customer viewpoint. Now, when, when digital transformation started, let me we saw banks, because I was with an IT company, so EDS got bought by HP and I became part of the HP Enterprises and for some years. And we're constantly trying to sell to banks, you know, because banks got lots of money. 
we did a lot of back-end processing for them. And you try and help them understand what you're trying to do is, it's nice you want an app, but you want to connect your customer communications into that app. So, you know, they, they get a notification of their statement and all the information that's relevant to them comes into that. And now it's useful to them. And they're like, no, 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 no. We'll just build this app. And, and then they had a lovely app, but nothing in the back office had changed. It's like, that's not digital transformation. <laughs> So, you know, you've put a bit of lipstick at the front, but what's transformed for the customer at the back? It's I'm still taking as long as ever to get my stuff. We see, I worked a lot in customer communications, so we used to call this CCM, customer communications management, which is a fancy name for document composition. I will take data that's really awful and I will turn it into something that makes sense for the customer. Statements, invoices, you know, particularly like if you've got a Vodafone, you know, a phone company and you've got data and you've got your mobile and you used to have a landline, no one has those anymore, and you might have a TV in there as well. And these things would pull in, they would all come from different different billing systems that have been, you know, services that have been purchased and amalgamated, pull on all this nasty data and put it into a nice little document, right? So, so that's great. And this document composition, you're just formatting data. But, you know, Gartner comes along and Forrester and they say, no, CCM. There's no management with that customer communication. It's just a customer communication. It's no management, right? So you want to transform it. How about we add some management to it? How about you start tracking it and seeing what actually works? And how about you stop sending out, you know, things that were done in the 80s, <laughs> print style. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you turn that into something that works for a, a mobile phone and, and make it responsive and actually useful? So I, I see this sort of transformation. It's always half measures. No one seems to, they're not, quite sure who the audience that they're delighting is this is like strategy 101 right you know if i don't know what my outcome i want i'm just going to do stuff and iterate it might as well just adopt agile let's not talk about that <laughs> yeah. and maybe something good will happen that's that's not good business it says if i want a digital transformation who's my audience what outcome do i want i'm going to measure against that so that would be my number one probably got two and three but we'll leave it at that <laughs> no that's fine that's fine and it kind of answers my <laughs> next question in terms of better outcomes for the end users it's clear that if you're not if you're not serving anyone at the end there's no transformation there's just as you say modernization you can overlay a new platform but if it's not translated into anything different then you've got nothing you've just wasted a whole heap of cash that could have been put yes. to just simple process improvement lloyd's bank how many billions have they set aside for the digital transformation that's three billion pound or something and it sort of comes to nothing and you go that's a shame that's that's a bit of a shame well one thing i should mention about transformation it almost always involves rationalization a cleanup if you don't have that cleanup you are not you are picking up your junk from one house you're putting it on a truck and you're bringing all that junk into your nice new house we not only rationalized processes and, and how we organized ourselves as on those projects but we had the client working with us rationalizing what what they wanted us to do and thinking about it and going, do we really want all this stuff? What would be a better way of how to present this to our customers? And I think, you know, if you can engage your end audience in that transformation process, so so they are able to be part of it, they will accept it. 
preserve and vest it now, right? You're taking my ideas. I don't care that they were stupid ideas. You've given me my stupid ideas. I'm going to do that. <laughs> or they were good <laughs> ideas. I'm so happy. You want to engage those who are going to get the outcome. And that's with the employees as well in transformation. None of my transformation projects would have achieved anything if I hadn't engaged the employee base really, really tightly and strongly, constantly, all the time, um, and appreciated their feedback. The monetarily, all sorts of different gifts that got given to people who contributed ideas. So important. You're not going to transfer. You need to get your business, your people, yeah. to adopt that change as well. Otherwise, like you said at the beginning, they'll resist it. They'll go back to their old behaviors because what's what's in it for them? There's nothing in it for them. Thank you. And final question. Oh, because no. uh, the, end, yeah. the time has come. No, 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 no. Final question on transformation, should I say? <laughs> and then we'll go into some sort of more lighthearted topics. But um, just thinking about what you mentioned about managing transformation and how should someone who's managing a transformation look to develop their talent in order to thrive in a constantly changing digital space? Read. Be a reader and set yourself time every week, whether it's part of your day or a set time in that week to read as much as possible about the speciality you're in. If you're in finance, you've got to be reading about finance. If you're in leading, read about leading. Read, read, read. I, I absolutely insisted on my team leaders all taking time out. The whole management team were given time to go and read stuff to, because it refreshes you. It's giving you, you when you're transforming, you're thinking on your feet the whole time. You're, you're constantly going, is this working? Is that working? I've got so many things to keep track of and you will empty yourself out you get it's very easy to burn out on, on transformation so you want to be taking stuff in and going oh I, I, th that's new the second thing is talk to people all the time you know on LinkedIn I'm known as you know I always go on about coffee right on a project I'm always having coffee I go home I'm like oh Oh, so much coffee today. I would be sitting down all morning. I would have a different person out from the floor, from the the IT group, a leader. I'd be quizzing them about how things were going. I'd be getting their perspective and mm -hmm. taking the temperature. What is working? What is not working? And you want to be talking to those those people being affected by change as well. This is you don't want to. It's not an ego thing, right? I don't want to be mixing with just the managers and and doing my networking stuff. Yeah. I want this to be successful. And, and it's people who are going to make this successful. I want them to be successful. I need them to tell me what's not working. You only get that by going to see them. You can do that from home these days. <laughs> but it was so much more fun to go and sit down and have a coffee with someone. I think so. I mean, you can't beat that from a networking perspective. Face-to-face -face makes so much of a difference. But I mean, as you say, there's not a lot we can't do virtually with that being said i mean you're in new zealand i'm here in the uk so and we're face to face and we know each yes. other we have a good sense of each other and thanks yeah you managed to capture my likeness which actually <laughs> was my my final topic of conversation david oh, so thank you for being such a wonderful painter and creating my new profile picture which is up on all my social media <laughs> and really it's shall we say let's let's not go there but it's much better than an nft <laughs> <laughs> And it's hand-drawn. It's not, not created by some algorithm that's kind of put me into some sort of pixelated digital Picasso. But, I mean, your artwork has been 
growing steadily and you've been posting that up on social media, your journey to rapidly improving and creating these wonderful visual images. The last thing I want to say is what are the parallels you see between what you're doing now and I mean, what your career to date, is it just this continuous learning journey and evolution that you're you're expressing through your newfound passion for art or painting, should I say? Well, there are a lot of similarities and different activities we do, transferable skills, right? So as I said, I, I, I never finished any management course. I did do a lot of reading about management and, and leadership and applied what I had learned. And you heard I was a constant reader as well to keep my skills fresh. I'm a great believer that people is huge potential in every one of us but we're all the same i know we're all different you know because backgrounds cultures and things shape us right and sometimes gender causes different ways of you know connecting with others as well but we've all got the potential to do the same thing i wasn't an artist just the same as i i wasn't a transformation manager i taught myself how to do it i believed i could do it and i went and practiced it and saw it happen and and what i get from art is in my experience of change management a lot of it is about pattern matching you're looking for patterns you're looking for good patterns that you want to repeat you're looking for things that are dissonant things that don't seem to be connecting well and you're trying to understand why don't they connect how could I get it to connect now art is like that so when I start a picture there's nothing it's, it's got to it's just got to come out you know and you with pastel you start I'm sure it's the same with paint you start and you're just making sort of dots over the place and then they start coming together and then the more you work on it suddenly you know Dante appears on on the page it's like oh thank god for that <laughs> i wasn't sure it was going to happen but hey there he is fantastic <laughs> Um, and so, I, and for me, I'm a huge believer in quality control. I, I listened to Social Saturday on LinkedIn today, and I'm not going to say their last names because I'll get it wrong, but Trevor and Julie and, and Stephen all did a, a fantastic stream. Delight, I watched it delayed because it was way too early for me, 3 a.m. or something. I'm not that dedicated to Social Saturday. I watched the delayed coverage, as it were, and at one stage, Trevor name drops me, and I'm like, oh, heck. <laughs> and he says, oh, and have you seen David's art? And he, he goes, oh, you know, he just, he makes himself out to be some sort of pedestrian and he's really got all this talent. And I'm thinking, no, I understand quality control. And to me, if I haven't achieved that quality yet, it's not where I want it to be. It may be good enough for someone else. That's lovely, but it's not good enough for me. And in business transformation, it was exactly the same. Digital transformation, I was in the 5% group who overachieved. We hit our target, we blew it out the water. And my projects finished, not 25 years late, they finished on time. You know, one was two years ahead of revised schedule. It's like, well, that's quite a big savings in time and money to do that <laughs> because it's quality. And art to me is, um, I get to manage my own quality. It's, it's not just about, you know, creating a picture. I'm, I'm in charge of my quality and I like that you know <laughs> it doesn't always work you know because it's hard to you know statistically that it makes sense so we're allowed those bad batches but yours came out quite good quality so I'm glad about that so am I mate <laughs> and thank you David you've been a wonderful guest 
guest and it's been a pleasure to interview you and we have our conversations anyway and just to get your backstory and and some of those insights it's been amazing before i close out can i ask how would my listeners get in touch with you what's the best channel to reach out to you on it's linkedin these days yeah mm. just do a search david kitchen linkedin look for silly pastel pictures i said recently actually on linkedin today you know i know all the stuff about digital transformation productivity guess what i don't talk about it i talk about coffee and paintings and, but yeah if, if anyone wants to reach out happy to talk about past experiences yep linkedin brilliant thank you david and with that we end this episode of business breaks thank you everyone for listening and watching take this podcast shares experiences and insights gained from business it and digital finance hosted by two leaders who have made the leap themselves this show is dedicated to helping listeners think differently about their career aspirations 